What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Synergy. It has been a minute since I did a podcast, guys. So much been going on. However, have you ever found yourself in a situation where you just really needed to just exhale? You know, we're always talking about inhaling and exhaling, but have you ever thought about just exhaling? You know, I just completed a project, uh, a journal project, and, and it dealt with a lot of dealing with self and out of all of my years of writing books and publishing books you know this was one of the books that really hit home you know I've always been an advocate for helping people and becoming this whole truth advocate or this fighting for justice for people however I found out while doing this journal exercise that a lot of this stuff in this journal I needed and I need it for my mental sanity, my mental health, my overall just health and well-being. However, I've come to a decision that sometimes our gifts and skills and knowledge that we have to help other people is technically for ourselves. You know, I've been doing caretaking or caregiving, caregiving for quite some time. I say I've been doing it for... Uh, since I was in elementary school and I've did it for my family, I've worked in the field of it, but I started realizing in these last seven years of, of being a caregiver that it is oftentimes that the caregiver themselves go um, abandoned. People forget to check on the caregiver. People forget to see if the caregiver is okay then I started thinking in my mind, I was like, maybe it's this hero complex that we have. You know, Superman was our hero as kids when we were growing up. Um, and not only was, our, was he our hero, but he had his kryptonite. Caregivers aren't supposed to have kryptonite. Not in the eyes of those who they take care of. You know, people don't realize that it's a lot of energy. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of sleepless nights that you put into caring and loving and, and, and providing for and even praying for people that are that are sick. Um, they could be wheelchair bound or just lonely, alone by themselves. You know, it is. Took me, I guess, seven years of being back into the full throttle of this full time for me to realize that this isn't easy. And sometimes you have to draw a limit. You have to draw a line in the sand and say, listen, this enough is enough. I, I need my own sanity. I need my own peace. I need, I need a break. I need a breath of fresh air. And it seems like the only time you get a breath of fresh air when they actually are in the care of someone else, like a doctor's appointment or the hospital, or maybe they are in a nursing home for rehab. You know, it seems like the only time that you get a break from being a caregiver is when someone else is doing your job for you, such as a medical professional. But riddle me this, though. This is the thing that always gets me. After you have taken care of these people, and maybe you guys can answer this question for me. After you have provided care for people and you have made sure that they get back on their feet, they're walking, they're talking, they can feed themselves. They can do a whole lot of things for themselves. Why is it that we still continue to be there when we don't necessarily have to be? 
And why is it that those people who once were sick, once needed our help, that when they no longer need our help, they still behave as if we are the only choice? You know, we're the only one that can do it. Oh, nobody can do it like you can. Nobody can do it like, you know, it's always that one person. It's just like a mother. It's like a father. It's just like family. They can count on one person that's going to get the job done, that's going to do it, that's going to be attentive, that's going to care, that's going to put in all the energy and all the focus. They're going to be driven to see all of this stuff be accomplished. However, when saying no turns into an argument or when saying no turns into being disrespectful or making you feel like you are, are, are not loving to them. Um, I tried that. Let me give you an example. I was asked by one of the people that I provide care to, um, could I do something? And it's family. You know, of course, family looks like, oh, you're going to do it. You, you know, I raised you and I took care of you. Oh, I changed your diapers. We played this. And, you know, I taught you how to read when your mom was like, you know, all of these different things that they have. They try to hang over your head, you know, the guilt trip. So I was asked to do something. And I was like, no, you're right there. Buy it. You can do it yourself. You're not sick. You're not hurting. You're not broken. And they come back with, if you don't want to never do anything for me, you don't have to do anything for me. That's the guilt trip. That's the guilt trip. And then all of a sudden, you know, you start feeling bad. But eventually you stop feeling bad and you start getting angry. And you start responding with, I never said that I didn't want to help you or care for you. It's just that there are things that you can do for yourself that you should do for yourself instead of depending on someone else to do them. Because you're not being conscientious of someone else's physical health, physical being. You know, it took me a while, you know, after going through that. And let's just say you can address it that way. However, it's not going to just stop right there. It's going to continue. You're going to keep having to address it over and over again until they get it embedded into their mind, depending on what type of uh, what type of cases you're dealing with. You know, if you're dealing with the stuff that I'm dealing with, such as those who had strokes, those who are in wheelchairs, you know, these are people that tend to go through emotional throttles. They go through emotional vamps or things where their emotions are up and down like an elevator. And the slightest bit of resistance or you appearing that that you're going to pull away from them is a fear to them. It isn't the fact that they don't want to be alone because they don't have the family. They don't want to be alone because they don't have you. The sad part about it is, is this, is that what do they do when you're not present? I always ask myself that question. Some days I go out and go shopping and go to the mall and walk around or when I get a chance to go out to eat or take myself to a movie, just go out and just breathe, you know, in the midst of all of that, I'm enjoying my peace. But on the way home, I'm regretting because I know that I got to face my reality. And then light bulbs start going off. Questions start rolling through my mind. What do they do when I'm not present? You know, how do they do this when I'm not there? How do they fix this when I'm not there? These are the questions that I ask all the time, often concerned about, I hope they were able to do this. But then when I get home 
and find out that they were not only able to do it, they were able, they were able to do that and more. So I started asking myself some questions over time, guys. Because I wanted to know if it was just me or was I doing something wrong? Was I missing something? You know, and I started realizing that you can be so passionate because caregiving is not just about providing care, changing diapers, getting food, taking them to the restroom, giving their meds, food, uh, cooking for them, helping them get dressed. Providing care is that's a love that comes from your heart. And it's oftentimes that that type of love that we display as caregivers can be misinterpreted as the love that needs to be deposited in their life to replace that which they're not getting from other family members, spouses, children, cousins, whatever the case may be. You know, for example, you have people that get sick and they run for other people before they get sick. And they go and check on everybody. They go see how everybody's doing. And they want to make sure that everybody's okay. And then when they get sick, nobody checks on them. Nobody's there to help them. Nobody's there to, to ask them if they're okay. You know, after all the fruit baskets and hospital stays and hospital visits that they've made, nobody comes and says, hey, are you okay? I just come to check on you. I just brought you something to eat. I'm not sure if you could have salt. I just brought you something to eat. I didn't put no salt in it. I just cooked you something. I baked you something. None of that. That's the, the, the drawback, the negative drawback. And that's the part that makes a person who receives a caregiver behave completely different. Not only do they behave completely different, but they absolutely positively rely on that one person to provide that love and care for them that they're not getting from everybody else. And it's all draining because they think that they're special. In essence, they are. Because a caregiver's love is greater than that of loving my mom and my dad, my sister, my brother. A caregiver's love is seen through their work, their ethics, their care, combing someone's hair. A caregiver's love goes through, not just flows through the caregiver's body, but through their fingertips. It can be felt in their actions and their deeds and conversations and their concern. I remember... In 1999, my grandmother um, passed in January, the top of the year. And the amazing thing about that was, and I wouldn't say amazing, but, you know, the amazing thing about that, when we speak of caregivers, her nurse had to be forced to go home because he broke down and he wept. He cried very hard. It hurt him to his heart. It really hurt him to his heart. And I understand that because you can provide care for someone for so long and gain these attachments and they don't necessarily have to be family. I remember when I worked at a mental institution and there was this guy and I was a nurse there and there's this guy and in he was very aggressive. He was on meds and as all of them are, but he would always have these outrageous outbursts. He would always have these 
rage spats where he destroy things and throw heavy things at people and punch people. And But I was always the calming factor for that home. When I would be there and present, there was no chaos. I said all that to say this. I recently, just last year, in the year before last, understood the reality and the need for caregivers needing to take care of themselves and needing their own self-care. You see, my stress level increased. And not only did my stress level increase, but I started having heart palpitations, anxiety, all kind of crazy health issues started taking place. I was stressed. And I wasn't normally stressed, but I was stressed completely out because I was so busy providing care for people that I forgot to take care of myself. Your life is important. If you're a caregiver, people depend on you to live. People depend on you to survive. You're not the only one that can do it. You're just the only one that has volunteered your life because it ain't your time. You volunteered your life to do this. And because you volunteered your life to do it, those who you provide care for, they know it. And they know at any moment you can stop, but they've learned to master manipulation. They know how to play on your emotions. They know how to play on your feelings. They know exactly what it is that they can do to get you to stay. All right, guys. Thanks for watching this episode of Synergy. I'll be back with another podcast. Do apologize for the background, but I want to do something different in podcasts outside so you guys can hear nature. All right. Peace, love and happy new year.